0: listening to episode 272 of sci-fi tv rewatch my name is dave and i'm joined as always by my co-host wayne as we conclude our look at the bbc science fiction drama prime evil and this is take two we tried it on monday today is wednesday i was having big time audio problems and and, 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 dude as you kept saying it's like it's fine it's no big deal and I, i i let it get the better of me uh emotionally and intellectually but got it all sorted out i recorded all
1: the f-bombs you dropped i'm gonna do a take (laughs) five of dave's uh, frustrated exclamations
0: and uh exactly as you said the moral of the story is don't upgrade your computer never upgrade ever anyway um and you know in in the big picture this is episode 272 but of course we've got a number of episodes that we've done that don't really figure into the main numbering system so in close to 300 podcasts really it's probably on one hand how many times we've actually had to re-record something
1: yeah yeah not yeah like maybe this might be three i think maybe yeah
0: i think one of them danielle was involved so i think
1: we know whose fault that was yeah absolutely no question (laughs) but uh all
0: right um emails can come to us at sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com go to the website leave a voicemail if you want to do it that way tweet us at sci-fi tv rewatch and join the facebook group and get into this discussions there i think that's always the best approach although we'd love to hear your feedback so that we can talk about it on the air the way fred touches base with us all right so um In terms of news, and this is really sci-fi TV rewatch news, we mentioned last time we're going to take a look at the new Netflix arrival, The Haunting of Hill House, one episode at a time leading up to the arrival of Travelers. And we still don't have a date for when Travelers is going to drop. So we may be at like episode six, seven of Haunting of Hill House and then Travelers drops. Well, we're going to stop Hill House and deal with Travelers. And if we're really digging Haunting of Hill House, then we'll, of course, come back to it. Sound reasonable? I am
1: completely anticipating digging it. So, yeah. Have
0: you seen it all yet?
1: No, not yet.
0: Okay, I watched the first one, and I'm not going to watch any more. Uh, I'm going to go into our first podcast only having seen episode one. So, uh, okay. so far, so good. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's got a few problems. They're, they're a little heavy on the jump scare even when it's really not called for but uh, you know it is a horror series so we'll we'll let them go all okay. right now my tip of the week and, and i've mentioned the power rangers unauthorized uh, video that's on youtube before and, and i'll certainly mention it again it's bootleg universe on youtube and these are short films by Addy shankar who's the creative mind behind netflix's animated series castlevania which is going to return later this week with its second season there's a, a video that's really pretty powerful mr rogers war hero which deals with fred rogers who we all know from mr rogers neighborhood so uh if you're inclined for some short videos it's bootleg universe on youtube that's Addie Shankar's channel and and certainly check out the power Rangers unauthorized.
1: If you haven't seen that yet. All right. What do you got? I would like to make my pick of the week to be Luke Cage season three. Ah, nice. (laughs) Which will not occur on Netflix. Yeah. But I think it is going to occur somewhere. You think I hope so, man. You know, I mean, okay. Like iron fist. All right. I'm kind of with you there. I get that was okay. Season two was better season one but you know still not great definitely the worst of uh, of them but Luke Cage it, it, to again I know it's my opinion but to my mind Luke Cage is the best of them and I know you like Jessica Jones so you know that's fine but I mean to me that was like the the music and the storytelling and the acting and everything just seemed to just be just totally jamming on Luke Cage so, but I, I know it boils down to numbers and everything and, you know, it's just, you know, I mean, here here's a a great show with an almost entire cast of people of color um, and it's, uh, you know, it's getting the axe, you know, and it was an awesome show and it was like, you know, also like probably a lot of people who are into like comic books, you know, might not see a lot of people of color and everything. I just you know I don't know it's frustrating obviously when and I I get like you know like you know Netflix isn't there saying well what does Wayne want to watch like that will make that we'll keep it if as long as Wayne likes it you know but uh, that's just kind of a bummer
0: it is and the writing is so strong on Luke Cage and, and the characters are I, I wasn't sure how I was going to react to it just because you know I liked. Luke's character in Jessica Jones, and that was really my only experience. And then when I checked out season one, oh, my wife and I both just ate it up. I mean, I I think we binged the whole season in like three days. So I'm still of the feeling that it's probably going to resurface. It deserves a season three. I think anybody that's seen the first two would agree. Iron Fist, I think you got to be pretty hardcore to. Think that it is deserving of a third season, yeah. And we'll just nah. leave it at that, yeah. No, yeah. I don't no so one's either.
1: no one's clamoring for season three of of Iron Fist for sure. But, yeah, yeah, as no, much no, as no, I no, love, now Col- no, no, I'm worried about Jessica Jones. I'm worried about Punisher. You know, like,
0: well, I think the big worry you should have is that it's going to require another streaming service added to your home entertainment system if you want to watch right. more Marvel yeah. TV series, but. Anyway, let's, uh, let's get to some Prime Evil. We got two episodes okay. to talk about. First is episode 105, written by Chris Lang, who typically writes TV crime drama, uh, directed by Jamie Payne, who directed 104, and this one aired March 10th, 2007. Dude, th- the interesting thing about this episode for me is that on the first watch, I downright Hated it. I mean, maybe hate is too strong because there was a lot of things I liked, but I had just had it up to here with Connor and his idiot behavior over and over and over again. And I'm thinking, as Nick said in an earlier episode, this is arguably the greatest scientific discovery of mankind. And you're letting this moron. <laughs> Make make these mistakes over and over again. Oh, Dave, no, it's harsh. It's harsh. I, well, it is, and and on a rewatch, I realized that wasn't as big a part of the episode as I thought it was. So that initially, I was ready to give it a C plus. On a rewatch, I'm going with a solid B on 105. I I, I did enjoy it. I think there's a lot there.
1: Yeah, I I liked 105, I'll throw out there, I believe, hold on, let me check the bottom of my notes, I think I gave it an A-, Uh, yeah, so, I I mean, obviously, yes, it's almost like two different episodes, because the first part is very lighthearted, right, and, you know, we see, you know, Connor loses Rex, and they're chasing him around, which I remember you saying, like, you weren't a big fan, which I agree with you. In Connor's defense, I'm going to say this. Because when Abby left, she said, don't open the windows. At which point, I would say, why would he open the windows? And I'm pretty sure when she leaves, like the window isn't open. But of course, when Connor leaves, somehow the window is open, though we never saw him actually open the window. So my thought is, well, maybe it was open when Abby left. And so maybe she should like think about leaving the windows open. And the second thing is, if it wasn't open before, why would he open the window? Like, you know, like they're just like th- that, that made zero sense at all, that the window was suddenly open, you know, when he was obviously expressly told. And I have, though they're not in a relationship, I have been living with a woman for over 21 years. And I know if, as she's heading out the door, she tells me to make sure the windows are closed. I will make sure the windows are closed or consequences will be severe.
0: Yeah. And and I think you were right the first time that when she leaves, it it was it was pretty obvious that the windows were closed, which then leads us to believe that he opened one in the interim. But why would he do that? He's
1: got a flying dinosaur in there. Like, yes, I understand he's supposed to make him out to be like and like kind of an unthinking kind of goofus. Even then, why would he why would he open the window when he's expressly told not to? Plus, he's got a flying dinosaur in there, which is why you don't open. Like it just makes absolutely zero sense that the window would actually be opened.
0: Right. But we know Rex didn't open it, so
1: Right, exactly. So I'm just saying they could have come up with a you know, like a more plausible way because I know it's just they they just need to get Rex out of the apartment and it has to be Connor's fault. I think it would have been better if like maybe you know, he was going out the door and Rex kind of scooted it out as when he opened up the door to leave or something. Then for the window to be open, it just seems silly.
0: Well, it does. And, and, you know, one of the things that you mentioned a couple podcasts back is that even though we've only got six episodes, Primeval really has been focusing on the interpersonal relationships as well. And I think that's certainly important in a show that maybe knows it's coming back for a second season and one of the things that comes out here is this conflict of purpose between claudia and cutter which seems to be escalating at the same time the sparks seem to be flying in their personal relationship as well so that's really i i think pretty fascinating to watch because you know it is going to cause problems down the road i mean as you mentioned abby and connor well according to her that they're just friends obviously we know he he would like it to be a lot more than that but the thing that really gets me about this episode the thing that sent it to a solid b and you know who knows by the end of this discussion maybe i'll even go higher is the homage to hitchcock is done really well i think yes yeah yeah and the special effects are pretty solid and fred's going to talk about that a little bit in his feedback but you know the homage to the birds and and if you haven't seen the birds you have to and then see how it links into this episode
1: right i like see i i actually am devastated to admit that i have never seen the birds i've seen bits of it and and of course i i know like that it's basically like these killer birds right like rampaging around and like Killing people and and I, I and the um, have you ever seen H- High Anxiety, the Mel Brooks movie? I have. Yeah, so like the the homage he has in there where the birds just start pooping on him. Yeah, yeah. You remember that scene? Yeah, I, I do. I so, do. So obviously, you know the that scene, as in many Hitchcock films, uh, you know those scenes have been reproduced in other movies because they are such um, you know canonical scenes he was just such a outstanding filmmaker who you know really storyboarded and crafted his scenes meticulously um so so yeah but so i I, even though i haven't seen the birds i got that they were um that that that, that was that was a shout out to to that movie
0: yeah and and a lot of the camera shots i'm not gonna say they were shot for shot you know somebody like michael would probably have a a better handle on that but but clearly uh that that's what the director jamie Payne was going for now the opening scene two bad golfers playing around one of them hits his ball into the water and he's fishing his ball out but it's clearly not his because you saw his ball went in about maybe 15 feet in the water and he gets the thing right along so he deserves
1: it right he he deserves everything he gets because he cheats at golf
0: well, he does, but you, I'm sure you notice the skull and part of the body. Yes, of what yeah. could be a prehistoric creature. He doesn't see it, of course, but it, it just again is there some sort of an anomaly at the bottom of that pond? Uh, you
1: know, I'm just saying, after, after it- seeing the, the the pool episode. I'm like, don't put your hand in the water, dude. But that one clearly has been there for
0: a long time. We don't know how long because, you know, the, the flesh is completely disintegrated. So, again. Or eaten and, off. Well, right. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, especially given some of the things we've seen um, you know we mentioned rex and the window at the apartment so the search for rex is, is kind of the mini story here connor turns up the heat for rex but i think he has an ulterior motive yeah, don't you, you think, think?
1: <laughs> i believe so uh
0: I no just so. take more clothes off abby <laughs> if it gets too hot
1: yeah you know like i You I agree. Hannah's spirit is is very attractive, obviously. And, you know, you're trying to build a, you know, a, a fan base. And so having her walking around in her underwear might be a way you can do that. But I think they maybe have, they went a little too far this time around
0: well and she in fact seems exasperated at connor perhaps that's she's also exasperated at the script each week that calls for her to do that yeah Um, exactly
1: yeah but the other thing i just picture her going at the read through she's just like really again seriously is rex getting bigger uh i don't know i don't i mean i don't know i didn't notice it but i
0: I guess it doesn't matter in the in the big picture but but we learn that Connor's been at Abby's a month and the what's so cool is that at this point in, in 105 she's had enough and he's playing the video game and and at first I'm wondering whether it was going to tie into the plot of the story but it doesn't seem to no. but a, as we mentioned the first thing she tells him before leaving to work out she's got her little yoga mat keep the windows closed and he gets Nick's call runs out and and of course we see the windows open how are you with Rex escaping and then flying into the back seat of Connor's mini without him knowing it
1: well was he on top of or was he in the back seat i thought he was on yeah, top yeah he of went
0: the in the back seat
1: oh yeah, no. yeah i mean you know once you accept that the window is suddenly open for no good reason then the rest of it is just icing on the cake yeah
2: you know?
0: Well, for me the only positive that comes out of that scene is that mini he has is
1: freaking cool. I love yeah. it. I love the mini. Yeah, mini mini's, are, minis are, yeah. Yeah. So my buddy now, actually had a mini in high school. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he's always had like cooler stuff than everyone else, but yeah. Like no I no one even knew what they were then. It's pretty wow. sweet. So,
0: and then we get to the end and, and Abby tells Connor that he can stay, but he's got to perform chores for a month. And and of course, he thinks she's kidding. And she's like, "No," but then she tells him she likes having him around as a friend. And of course, we we've all been in Connor's position at some point. So even Not though she's kid. saying as a friend, we're hearing something completely
1: different. And I'm sure he is as well. Yeah, he's kind of more like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> All right.
0: Well, the the bulk of the story is the attack of the birds, and as soon as that golfer pricks his finger in the woods, I mean, we've seen this before with the little kid, and yeah. we know where this is headed. And, and, and I what did he thinking, prick his finger on?
1: I guess a bush, as he was like, was there for a nurse in there with like one of those things when you give blood? Like, you know, like he's just like, oh, they're you know, like. I'm going to stop. I'm
0: going to stop. But six episodes, and you've done this twice now. So I I guess I'm thinking you're going to the well a little too often. We get it. These dinosaurs are attracted to the scent of blood. And then we've got that cheesy chase scene where – we know generally what's chasing him, but we don't see it, which is very Hitchcockian. He he sure. did that all the time. So right, right. that's pretty cool. You, you, the fear and the terror for the audience is based on the
1: reaction of the the person that's in yeah. danger. And of course, we we think it's a pteranodon, right? Because exactly like that turns out to be the, the apparent uh, monster of the week at first. Yeah. Right. And, and I
0: mentioned at the beginning, you know, this growing conflict professionally between Claudia and Cutter. And, and, and of course, Nick and Stephen are investigating the golfer's death. And, and Claudia tells him that Lester's getting a bit impatient. Don't make me take sides. And obviously, we know what side. Well, I shouldn't say we know what side she would pick because. As, as we get towards the end, I'm not sure. I mean, she certainly keeps Lester in the dark as long as possible about mm-hmm. certain things, but she's really been placed in a difficult position. And again, I guess that's part of the, you know, the edge of of the series is knowing that she's in that no-win situation.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know if it's, it's no-win, but I mean, she's, she she is, you know, kind of, caught where she wants to, even putting aside her, obviously, um, increasing personal feelings for Nick, she's in a position where she wants the team to be able to, to do what they need to do and to give them the freedom to do their job, but also then being a part of the bureaucracy that also has certain rules and expectations as well. Um, and then just and being constantly kind of dragged in different directions by those two opposing forces. Well, you wonder, how quickly does Lester think some of these things can be
0: taken care of? <laughs> these are freaking dinosaurs, dude. Well, well, he's
1: just, you know, he is kind of, you know, as as the stereotypical public servant is just kind of like, let's just put out fires as they occur and hope for the best, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and Nick is like, listen, we've we we've, we've got to do more, right? Because if we can't just go chasing around because ultimately something really big and bad is going to come through and, and that's going to be very big and bad, um, which we actually see that in the next episode, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Now, the team discovers
1: the aerial
0: anomaly and, and therefore they realize this is likely an aerial predator. I mentioned Connor and the window and we've talked that out we don't need to do that anymore but he drives up and he's condescending to that military guard when he shows him his all access pass and i'm like come come on dude it's
1: (laughs) i I don't know it just well see see see, here's here's what i kind of actually what i kind of liked about it because connor in, in some respects does represent like us Right, like we talked about how in like Doctor Who, like the the companion is kind of like us because we can't be Doctor Who, we can't be Steven or Nick Cutter, but Connor, I can be Connor. You know, I, I I get Connor like as like a super nerdy guy who's now thrown into this amazing thing, especially like he's a complete sci fi geek. So, what sci fi geek would not be totally like forgive the words geeked out by? you know being a part of this project you know so he's just kind of overall just uh, kind of on cloud nine with his inclusion in this is like literally living his dream
0: well he is but now rex gets loose from his car and we know we've got an aerial predator in the mix so uh, of course we know that rex is going to be in danger and then we get arguably the the most crucial issue in the episode connor and rex are being chased and claudia orders ryan to shoot down the predator which is absolutely Mm -hmm. the right call sure and after arguing with her decision cutter then just knocks ryan off to the side from taking the shot and and then of course he can't get a clean shot and in some keystone cops do machina
1: event connor avoids becoming lunch well but here's the thing is that and actually there is some some of that i think it's even worse later but like cutter he he says the pteranodon doesn't eat big mammals like they, they they would eat like little things like kind of like things like the size of rabbits and things so for him it doesn't make sense that it would be eating people, right? So I think he basically, because of his expertise, he knows that it's not the pteranodon that's been killing people. Yeah, but doesn't Cutter say something about the fact
0: that people weren't around at the time, and that had true humans right, yeah, been he there, does say
1: that. they
0: would have. But he still like, says, yeah,
1: yeah. But I think he's he's just pretty confident in his assessment that the, the killer is, is not the I. I that's i tend to think but also like he is a maverick right i mean like he just does his own thing and he really has no little, like really has very little to no concern for you know the the rules or or what might be best for society right because he he still is kind of mostly thinking about his goal to to catch the dinosaurs and to send them back and not to kill them Right, but now you've got Nick doing the same
0: thing. So you've got two members of the team that basically are refusing to follow orders. I mean, Claudia's in charge. And right. like it or not, I'm not a big believer in anarchy when it comes to this sort of <laughs> uh, sort of a team operation. You, just you are a rules it, follower, man. yes. Well, I mean, I... I You know, I've been known to break a rule or two in my time, but I guess as I get older, (laughs) I understand the wisdom of following orders.
1: Right, and and I I think you kind of nailed it. There is like absolutely Nick does not see the the wisdom in following orders at all. He just trusts his own instinct over anything, and definitely well over what Claudia is going to you know tell him is is what is potentially bad because you're right like the 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 right call here is to take out what they obviously it's a perceived threat but to to take out the threat right save human lives that that is the point um not to save dinosaurs at potentially the cost of more human lives but Nick doesn't and- get that right and you know you've mentioned that
0: claudia was your favorite character and and likely still is and she's certainly become mine and uh, certainly conventional wisdom abby is the hot actress in the show but uh not not for me not for me claudia (laughs) and and nick's wife i mean i'm sorry i mean i know she's not a very likable character but uh
1: yeah she's um,
0: Easy on the eyes. Yeah, that's she for is. sure. Right. But Claudia gives Cutter and Steven until Ryan's team arrives to try to trank the bird. And I'm thinking, okay, they just
1: disobeyed your direct order. right? <laughs> well, and this time you're- you were going to follow my orders. <laughs> right? So, No mucking about. Ah, I so actually, the birds- they, I got I to say one thing. So, okay. So do you notice like when Steven and Nick show up, to like what they're wearing red shirts they, they have like yeah well they've got like fashionable clothes on and stonewashed jeans actually i think stonewashed jeans is obviously some kind of scientific uniform <laughs> i did just see that. In the next episode but you just like the yeah i like they they're, they're like posing for like abercrombie or Fitch or something like that you're just like dude shouldn't you be in more like Functional type clothes, <laughs> like you're chasing a dinosaur here, like I know still wash jeans and a a comfy fashionable uh, shirt are, are what uh, is in order for this. So, well, well, and, and we've talked about Abby
0: and, and the script calling for her to be in her underwear on a number of occasions, but now we've got a situation where Cutter recognizes the fact that the bird must be attracted to red. Oh, Claudia, you're wearing a red blouse. I need that. Take it off.
1: Yeah, take your shirt off. Yeah.
0: And she's ready to give it up. And then Stephen steps in and he has a red t shirt underneath his other shirt. And, you know, finally they get the bird that then crashes, drags along the ground like an airplane crash. And we've seen this many times. And then the plane stops just short of total disaster. And in this case, the bird stops just short of hitting Claudia.
1: I'm not sure if I love that scene or hate it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I I absolutely understand what you mean by that.
0: But then it knocks her out with its tail or some appendage, I'm not sure,
1: but I don't know. It's yeah just... well, so so they they uh you yeah, know they they definitely went for a little bit more humor. In the first half of this episode, right, than we'd seen before. And we'd seen like little bits of, of humor here and there. And certainly that's, that's a part of the show, part of the show's charm. I thought they're doing it really well, but the, the little slapstick where she starts to uh, tell him off and then I can't, yeah, I can't remember what bit of the dinosaur, you know, smacks her in the face and knocks her out. I'm like, hmm, if that was supposed to be funny, it's really not the there is very cliche ridden as steven's like waiting till he like sees the whites of his eyes before he takes the shot cutter urging take the shot take the shot no way take the shot take the shot and then you know like you said uh it just you know finally stopping right before it gets to claudia yeah all mm-hmm. of that but i think overall you know, i thought it was a pretty good scene
0: okay and you know and, and we've talked a little bit about the show maybe not knowing exactly what it's going for i guess i feel like it should be a little more serious more of the time than it is but but then again you know as critics which is essentially what we're doing here i i think we really should judge a show for what it is not what we think it should be so you know we we run that that fine line but i i i guess what i also love is claudia's attitude all the time like you mentioned that it was supposed to be a funny line and she does get a lot of great lines and and her delivery is spot on and given the fact that we know about the subtext between her and nick it's just it's a lot of fun to watch those two interact that that's sure sure and then we get them back at the hotel they come close to kissing it looks like and then, of course, he's doing the doctor thing with a light. And he says, I have absolutely you no. Know, I've seen him do this on ER. But the big reveal is that she can't see.
1: Well, they, they, they have her a, hooked up to – so she got hit. I guess So I guess she might be slightly concussed or whatever. But So they have her hooked up to, like, air and an IV and everything, which seems a little extreme for getting, like, hit in the head. You know? It, it, you know, well, yeah, it seems like I, very – TV-ish, as in, oh, she really is hurt or something like that.
0: Well, and then we see the spilled blood bag from her IV. And, and of course, we know where this is headed because they've gone to this well so often. And, really, this is a big nod to Hitchcock's The Birds as they crash into the glass windows. and, And it is especially frightening because we know she can't see. And she ends up giving up her red blouse after all. As the birds crash through that well, 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 well there's, there's
1: um, silence of the lambs, right? When she yeah. like, goes to get the killer, and and he's got the, um, he's got the night vision goggles on, and she can't see anything. Oh, like right. that was right. Like how intense was that scene, right? So that's like a, kind of a way to add suspense and intensity that she can't really see very well, and that like ratchets up. the the whole um, intensity of that scene. Right. And and it leads
0: into uh, him leaving to go find a phone. And and of course he kisses her before he leaves. Sure. And and I'm wondering though, what the hell is Ryan's team supposed to do? I I mean, you've got this huge flock of whatever these are. What are they? pterodons? or I forget what they call them.
1: No, I don't know. I don't know if they ever named them. They're like little really angry birds call them nice (laughs) but you got the birds coming in through the chimney
0: and claudia her sight is slightly returning but i love the fact that she uses one of those ancient golf clubs that's in a display to swat them out of the air and i'm thinking "Ah, that's pretty cool ancient golf club knocking down these ancient reptiles okay i like it
1: Um, yeah limited effectiveness but okay nice
0: Uh, nick nick meanwhile is using a macgyvered flamethrower to knock him out of the sky and i think fred brings that up in his feedback as well again
1: seemingly with limited like there's a whole swarm and you're like kind of taking the ones out in the fringe one by one while like you know claudia's in there you know facing the swarm so right. right not so impressive as a uh as a weapon right and, but speaking of weapons helen appears
0: out of nowhere saves claudia and then she uses the old microwave to generate an explosion trick and yeah, takes out like, the entire yeah. swarm of birds oh, well, yeah, I was cool been with, down that. with that yeah.
1: absolutely
0: and then she just disappears and and after the explosion you know nick is like claudia brown and there's something about him saying her full name and and of course it comes up in episode 106 as well but i mean he he's stunned at that point because he assumes she's in there but it's almost as if he yeah right but uh, of course it doesn't take long for her to let him know that i I just i I just got her to take her shirt off and and she's dead right so they send the big bird back through the anomaly and, and claudia tells cutter that Lester doesn't know any of this is going on. I'm thinking, like, how can he not know this is going on? You'd think somewhere somebody would have called something in. I mean, it is 2007. We did have the Internet. We did have cell cell phones. phones. Yes, so um, I'm not sure, but did you notice? But they don't have Snapchat, though, so. Good point. But did you notice Abby jumps for joy into steven's arms i did notice that yes as the birds go through and everybody celebrates so maybe there is hope for that crazy couple
1: yet although know, there's not, a little not, bit of not a, based on what happens next episode i don't think uh I think,
0: no Steven, I think you got some burned to do boy <laughs> yes episode 106 written by adrian hodges who wrote 101 102 and 103 directed by jamie payne 104 105 and 106 And the season finale aired on March 17th, 2007. So the first thing that comes to my mind in this episode when we see this creature is whether it's some kind of missing link, perhaps preceding apes. However, the truth is so much cooler.
1: Yeah, and so much more sinister, right? Yes.
0: Now... The other thing that comes out of this episode, and and I'll go ahead and go on the record now, I'm giving this a solid A, 106.
1: Okay, yeah, me too. Solid A.
0: And the idea that the timeline has been altered because Claudia's been erased. So one of the things we have to consider, why only her? And what exactly happened to erase just her from the timeline and then the, the other thing we see you know the relationships claudia and nick helen and nick connor and abby helen and steven but it all ends up with that timeline thing um which i'm still not exactly sure how to explain it all you know
1: there, there's so you know I, I and mean, we talk about like little things Effect like so. Have you seen Doctor Who yet? I have. Okay, so that was like a big theme of the last Doctor Who is that little tiny changes can have severe consequences in the timeline. You know, whereas, but a lot of other theories of time is that like or time travel. And again, like like theories. I mean, in in, like the sci-fi world is that, um, you know, the timeline is resilient and will reset itself, you know. However, like, no matter really what you do, like, basically, what was meant to happen is kind of going to happen anyway. So we don't know which of those is, because you're right, like, everything else is pretty much the same. Everyone's still there. It's just Claudia's gone. And
0: Nick is the only one that remembers her.
1: Right, well, because Nick was in the past, right? Right, right. And so, like, he wouldn't uh, as as goofy as it seems like he wouldn't have changed because he was kind of out of the timeline i guess when the change occurred i don't know if that's a thing but uh but yeah right but certainly like everyone else thinks he's a complete nut and and they're going to continue because he's obviously not going to let this go right
0: now the opening scene i think it's kind of a sweet scene i mean she comes to see nick ostensibly to map out their next step and of course, they talk about you know predict, contain, but also figure out why. But it, it doesn't take us long for the, the subtext to emerge. And yeah. she asks, "Well, they kissed he still twice now, so that's a thing." Or, that's right. Well, I, and I love the fact that he dodges that question about whether or not he's still in love with Helen.
1: Right. And, well, you ask me that at the end of the episode, sweetie. Oh, wait, okay. you won't be able to. All right,
0: and, and again, we mentioned her lines and her attitude always being so much fun well sexual harassment in the workplace is serious business she tells him as she walks out clearly smiling to herself
1: so right. i really yeah, like that right smiling but like you know i mean that's hard to watch nowadays <laughs> it's like, well, well right but like if she but, said that today like nick would be crapping his pants he would be like hold on let me call my lawyer i i didn't mean it
0: but she mentions nightmares and we see that later in the episode, whether they're nightmares, you know, daymares or whatever you would call the, you know, these, these uh, visions that she would see during the day. and And you start to wonder, knowing what we know about the end of the episode, are these dreams somehow the future bleeding through into her reality before she disappears? I mean, we don't get an answer, but that's certainly something that, that I thought about. I, I love that whole thing about time bleeding through or uh, you know, dimensions bleeding through because yeah, I, I yeah, don't really absolutely. have another answer for it.
1: Right. Yeah, well, yeah, we don't know. I mean, it, it could be. I mean, she just went through a pre-traumatic thing. So, you know, obviously, if she were not able to sleep, that would be completely understandable. It could be PTSD. But- what we take in context of by the end of this episode, she's the only one who is erased. It seems to me quite likely that that has something to do with it. Well, yeah, but she seems to have a certain prescience
0: about it. She, she says she has a bad feeling about Nick and the others going into the past as if she senses maybe not herself being erased. You know, maybe she doesn't see it in those exact terms, but that she sees their actions having a serious consequence on herself and it's just something that she can't really articulate what it is i mean when she's looking in the mirror in the bathroom it almost seems as if she's looking at an anomaly in the mirror yeah
1: right 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 yeah absolutely that was crazy right
0: right so uh as an opening they're throwing a lot at us which is always a good thing but yeah, that's good. We, we see a lot about the relationships here, and, and they really do tie into you know the overall story arc. Abby's giving Connor tips on how to talk to girls, but uh, obviously we know he's still hung up on her. She must know that he's hung up on her, which makes us question her judgment letting him stay there, or maybe not. Maybe she just wants him to come out be bold tell her what he really feels and go from there because you know he's really just been kind of dancing around it you know what i mean
1: yeah, yeah because
0: definitely on well, the one hand yeah right I'm, well look these people are being paid by somebody right the dude can afford a room
1: somewhere <laughs> well I, I i don't know like He's a student, and he's working for the government. I don't know if that necessarily means he's making any kind of bank, but yeah, we assume that he sh- he should be able to pay for a room somewhere, but you know, why would right. you? Well, now Helen shows up to talk to
0: Steven and and this is a pretty No, hold on before scene. before we go
1: any further cuz I just have okay. to mention. Um I can't remember if it was this scene or earlier when um Abby's wearing a shirt that says Cherry Bomb on it. Oh, I and saw that, was, that. Like the Runaway song, right? Uh, that's what i assumed yeah i I thought that was the coolest like detail i'm like oh my god that is that's the best shirt ever so yeah i mean you mentioned
0: nick and steven's uh wardrobe which uh, leaves a little bit to be desired but abby's she's always got the coolest outfits for sure yeah i mean i'm not big on connor's
1: uh gear but uh anyway no you just want to slap that little half out of his head you know just like (laughs) all right get that out of here
0: (laughs) But, you know, we we do sense that there's something that we don't know about in relation to Helen and Stephen. I mean, they go for a beer, which, first of all, seems so out of character for Helen, who always seemed so serious, so businesslike. She would never take time out to go to a restaurant, to go to a bar, to have a beer. But that is what we see. Although she's got an ulterior motive. She wants a, a meeting with Nick and Lester and claims to have some answers. We learn that he was apparently her student. And then when she kisses him on the lips as she leaves, I missed that. And, and, of course, our,
1: our alarm oh bells dear. are going off. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, Stephen, come right. on.
0: So it certainly seems as if they were having an affair. We, we get that verified at the end of the episode. Yeah but helen is staying she goes to the house she shared with nick you could have redecorated she tells him and and claudia of course seems to be a bit caught off guard when she finds out about that and we know helen is just trying to you know stick the knife in and, She's and whittle just it around
1: so mini- like so we saw you know nick went and found her in the past, and what does she do? She takes off her clothes and jumps in the water first. So she's like, kind of like leading him along, like, and part of it is like sexually trying to lead him by the nose. That's why I like that scene where she's basically like, you know, are you going to come to bed with me? And he's like, nope, you know. And I think that's the point where he finally because he he was confused, right? Like, he, he, like Helen had been gone all this time; she was his wife. The he still obviously felt you know like loyalty to her attachment to her but and now she's back and and she's trying to play him and he knows she's trying to play him and trying to you know use sex as a weapon in the words of Pat Benatar another chick band reference here we go that uh that he's just i'm he's not having it you know like no right like and, and i admire that 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 strength that i absolutely would not have had if i were nick i'd be like yep okay let's go right
0: and and, you know we talked about claudia coming to see nick ostensibly to talk about their plans but it was really to talk a little bit about the relationship and then we get that scene where helen confronts claudia but it's really about her relationship with nick and, and we're certainly wondering well is she jealous and i love the fact that claudia doesn't let her intimidate her and helen is pretty damned intimidating i'll give her that
1: she and, she and, is. No no question.
0: And, and Claudia's just like you left him, so shut the hell
1: up. Yeah? My words, not hers. But A little little catfight action. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, but, and, and but like again, you know Claudia is gonna stand up. Like and it's funny because well not funny, but I mean, you know, like you know, she has basically just met Nick and, and so their relationship has progressed pretty quickly and now she's actually at the point where she's you know willing to stand up to Helen for Nick. And and then, you know, of course, before Nick goes through the anomaly at the end, you know, she gives him like a, you know, like a really, really, I mean, this is like the real kiss, like finally between these two. This is like the one. The others have just been prelude to, to this one. And um, and she's just like, both of them are just like, hey, what's up, Helen? Yeah. Well, well then
0: Helen even says, are you, are you just trying to punish me? I don't think he says yes, but, but, but um, yeah. if if that's an added benefit, then yeah, cool. Yeah, sure. But we get through and we're and we're going to talk about tracking the future monster in a second. So, you know, the, this last part about the relationships, you know, I mean, all of the soldiers are dead, as are the babies, we think. Yeah. And Nick insists that they bury the men, and Helen tells them, you know, well, we don't have to go back. We could stay. And I love his line that he tells her he knows where he belongs. You in love with that girl? And you just can't get a read on what it is Helen wants. I mean, maybe it is that she's just lonely and Nick will do. I don't get the sense she's in love with Nick and we have to wonder whether she ever was in love with Nick. But at this point, she just needs a companion as she travels through the past and through all of these uh gateways
1: well i, I think she she wants nick in so far as she wants him intellectually like she knows yeah, okay. he would be like the perfect person to whatever she's got planned like nick's your know, expertise is i think what she's kind of after here um yeah, as, as, yeah and and she's just playing him like romantically and interpersonally um she's just toying with him and and trying to use that as a way to get him to do what she wants him to do but you know it's been 8 years sister like he's 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 moved on basically i think at this point
0: all right but i guess i just wonder whether she really wants his intellectual input because she knows him even though she hasn't seen him in eight years she knows him well and from everything we've seen we know they're going to do nothing but butt heads at least it would seem that way so i'm not sure if she knows really what it is she wants Uh, obviously after the kiss with claudia then they come back, and, oh yeah, by the way, Stephen and I used to have an affair, an extremely awkward moment yeah, master master of the understatement Lester yeah. offers <laughs> and then she yeah. says, I, I love how
1: uh, that, that, that was, you're actually that, that was great how Lester like says out loud what everyone else is thinking it was just like that was absolutely perfect, I love that line right, and,
0: and then she tells Stephen, you said you would do anything for me. Does she really think he's going to go with her? I I, I wonder. I, you know, I think she's so confident in herself, which you know is not a bad thing. But she's so confident that she can manipulate these people. I will, I'm not going to say men because I think she feels like she can manipulate women as well. And while Nick didn't allow it i i think maybe because of his younger age because of what they had as a student professor i i don't know but had to love steven just you know walking away from her you know walking back with the team nope not going with you
1: yeah yeah you you love it but also you're kind of hating steven at this point too right like you just because like right now steven has been like the ultimate wingman you know he's like been there for nick he's he's like the action guy he's you know when you need something done steven's the guy who will do it and now to find out that at at one point he was you know having an affair with uh with helen which again it was a long time and steven's a young guy now and it was at least eight years ago so he was you know very young back then probably just a kid so Yeah, we don't necessarily blame him a hundred percent but that bond between him and nick has been such an important part of this team and now you just know that that bond is just gone now you know yeah and you wonder can it be repaired look i
0: didn't really plan on continuing with season two because of so many other things that that we need to watch but i've got to watch at least a couple episodes in season two and oh uh, you will want to watch season two my friend Uh, i know i know but uh, you know so so we learn about you know the traces of bat dna that these creatures seem to have but it it all leads to a meeting in which helen tells them that they are being attacked by a creature from the future that has human levels of intelligence and supernatural abilities to stalk its prey and Again, the CGI in this episode, and really throughout the whole season, has been pretty strong. But
1: I couldn't help by, by, but by think- two thousand seven standards. Yeah, like yeah. If you tried to pass but, this off today, I don't, I don't know if it would, it would, it would fly. You know? Yeah, you're, you're probably right. I mean, but I, I couldn't help but thinking about
0: the creature in Alien. That oh
1: yeah, I, I mean, oh yeah, uh, totally this so. absolutely is is um you know i, I won't say based on but certainly strongly influenced by the uh the creatures from aliens no question about it
2: right
0: now she
1: essentially tells
0: nick that i don't know it came from the future a hundred percent but you know logically as she describes it that you know it found its way into the permian age and then into the present and you know it seems to make sense to nick and the others so i, I figure if it makes sense to them then then i'll go along for the ride there but, right but,
1: uh, but but this is like where like really where now this is this is really where the show like kicks it up like so everything up to now has been like pretty interesting months of the week but now all of a sudden this stuff of the future becomes so much of the overall arc not just for the next season but for like the rest of the series and um and this is really where it it all of a sudden the show just really really steps it up and now it's like wait not so we got not only dinosaurs but also now the ability to travel into the future and it honestly looks like not a super great future as there are like these you know killer bat creatures around which if the killer bat creatures around doesn't seem like there sh- there's going to be like a lot of humans around you know? well
0: nick and, and i guess this crystallizes the impact that this news has had on him because he immediately says no we got to kill it which is obviously a departure from everything he said up to this point And he's concerned about it changing the past and the present as it relates to this creature. And we, we get what he means. If, if this creature gets into the past and wipes out an entire species, then what impact? And and you brought up the doctor who episode earlier that, that one little thing can have a huge ripple effect. Well, what could wiping out an entire species, you know, how would that impact things? So, um,
1: sure, I I love. Yeah, and that's what I think. Like he he goes wrong here with his thinking is that like you don't need to wipe out the entire species, but you really do need to kill all those babies right now. Like right. I, I I know that sounds callous, and they're just little tiny creatures, but oh my god, like these things, you can't have these things running around. And, like you can't. Are you like seriously? You're going to take them into the prehistoric past? Like who knows what? Like what consequences could that have? for the rest of history, if you do that, like that is just mental. I just was against that decision. uh,
0: Well, I love uh, Nick's line to Steven as they're basically figuring out what the hell they're going to do. We need a bigger gun. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, all right, again, master of the understatement number two.
1: Yeah. Right. Right.
0: um, As they're trying to figure out what to do, Did you notice Helen? She's just leaning against a tree, casually eating an apple. Right. And, you know, she's such a great character because you are never sure you have no idea whether to hate her or whether to admire her for everything she's learned and accomplished
1: these last eight years. Yeah. But I think we're pretty much on the hate part of that by the end of this episode.
0: Yeah, we are. I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, uh, you know, we see Connor get attacked by the beast, but Abby comes to his rescue. And then, when she's about to be attacked, Stephen shoots at it, and it runs away. And uh, again, I love right. Connor. Thanks her for saving his life. Well, I had to. You haven't paid this month's rent yet. Yeah. And on the one hand, wait, wait, you could have was he paying rent line. in the first place? Like that—that uh, that was what
1: surprised be. me about that
0: line. Yeah. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, what's going on with their feelings? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just fun to speculate with the, the three of them. But, you know, they find its lair, discover that it's given birth. And, you know, you mentioned these babies, and I, I forget, I think there were five or six. But.
1: Uh, yeah, right. We don't know. They should have counted them, or they should have just done them right then and there.
0: Well, right. And we know that at least two survive, and we don't know whether or not there is a mother. Because they recognize that the one that they killed was a male, but you know this is a future alien species of sorts. So who the heck knows what evolution has done? But I, I think we all know that uh, there are still beasties in yeah. no, no, the no, future. The, the,
1: the mother gets killed by the dinosaur, by the right. the mom so. so so yeah, so yeah. I mean, like by ultimately, both parents are killed because, like, it's, uh, Nick kills the one and then the dinosaur, well, not the dinosaur, the, the mama and whatever, the the big thing from episode one kills the, the mother. Right. But then we get one of the greatest scenes in the
0: series. They're in the future and Helen asks Nick to take a photograph her, of her. Yeah. And as he does, he realizes that he took the photos of her that they found on her camera right that first time
1: which is the camera he's holding in his hands
0: right but then he says we arrived five years before the first time we came here we created our own past and i'm thinking all right dude now you're losing me how do you know yeah. that uh, it was five years
1: exactly right right no so way i'm not sure I'm if I,
0: I don't know if i missed something or what but okay um, i'm i'll go along for the ride and uh, As that, the monster
1: feels like smacks of deleted scene.
0: <laughs> well, that could be, absolutely. And, and then we watch the monster picking off individuals. Another monster appears, and we get a, a pretty cool monster fight there for a while. And, and the other monster starts to eat the babies, which prompts future monster to attack. But we learn through Ryan's recognition that that was my body that we found yeah. when we found the
1: camp the first time. And, like, whew, pretty powerful stuff. A- absolutely. When we see – like, it's, I mean, like, really, when when Nook t- Nick took that picture, that was – you're just like, whoa. You know, and, and when you realize that they've created this, as, you know, we talked about in Dark lot this kind of, like, time loop here um, where they're actually creating their own history, which – I mean, like, yeah, did did you not think that that was a possibility? (laughs) Like, you know, the camera, she's wearing the same outfit. I mean, there's certain telltale signs here, Nick, that you might have thought. But not that it matters because it doesn't change anything that they do or what's happening to them. Um, You know, the question, though, is like, so at the end of this, Helen has escaped once again. Uh, two of the bat babies are stuck in the Permian, or I don't know, stuck, I guess they could always maybe find their way back to the anomaly they came through. And Claudia is snuffed out of existence, never existed, no one knows who she is. So what's the causality here?
0: Right, they say something we've done has changed the past. Okay, what? And, and right. why Why just Helen? I mean, I, I mean why just claudia and and i guess realistically we'd have to assume well it's going to turn out to be more than just claudia but i guess we'll see um and then you know the anomaly starts swirling and at the end does nick go into the anomaly are we led to believe that's what happens there's no clear-cut answer but that would certainly be a pretty cool way to start
1: season two yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, so yeah, great place to start season two because they've just, you know, can you imagine how pissed everyone would be if they it got canceled after this episode? Because like, you're just like, ah, oh, they just set up all this stuff. And like, really? So um, yeah, they definitely set up loads of stuff for season two. Um, and they can really, now, again, like, you know, we talk about, the ability, like, as we said, at the end of Dark, the ability to go, like, anywhere now, not only can travel into the past, but there's this aspect of the future involved as well. The possibilities are endless. Cool. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? We never talked about uh, Stephen eating the poop in Episode 5. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And Connor enjoying watching him do it.
1: Right. Well, and, and all the, you know, the soldiers being like, like Ryan was just like, that's that's not right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good.
2: But it kind of reminds of, me of,
1: oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say, and Steven does it as if it's just, you know, part of the yeah. day.
1: No, no big deal. Do. Yeah. Some poops, just take a little bit, stick it in your mouth, see, how, you know, swirl around, get a little Chardonnay with it maybe. I don't know. No, it, it reminded me of that scene in, in Jurassic Park where Laura Dern uh, there's that sick dinosaur and she just like reaches her hands into the big pile of poop and they was just like, ah, oh, you know, I guess if you're a professional, that stuff just does not bother you so much. Okay.
0: Well, let's go ahead and hear what Fred had to say. And he really, uh, had to go to great lengths this time because he was traveling to the States and he still managed to get his feedback in. So here's Fred from the Netherlands.
2: Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Primeval Season 1, Episode 5 and 6. Perhaps I sound a little bit nasal, uh, like Wayne. Last week, I have an ice cold brought back from the from the U.S. Last 10 days, I was uh, in the U.S. Uh, traveling uh, to Minneapolis and San Diego. Firstly, for a fan convention, convention Urpapalooza, uh, in Minneapolis... And secondly, in San Diego. Wow, what was that A weather difference? This is Sci-Fi TV Rewatch uh, podcast. So we should talk about the weather first. In Minneapolis, it was actually snowing a little bit, though. But it was snowing. And San Diego was uh, nicely warm. And you could walk around in a T-shirt. It was a big, big temperature difference. So back in the Netherlands now. With a nice cold and a nice jet lag. It's 4.30 in the morning and I'm going to record my feedback for uh, Primeval. Because on my flight from San Diego to Atlanta, I watched episode 5 and from Atlanta to Amsterdam uh, 6. I didn't have much trouble with Atlanta, Dave. Unfortunately, I was expecting a lot of bad things to happen after you gave some advice last podcast, but it was okay. So what did I do in Minneapolis? I visited Palooza and it was actually my really first big fan convention, and not that I'm that much of a Herp fan, but it was nicely attached to my genetics conference in San Diego. But wow, this was such a blast. I'm not going to talk about Winona Herb here in this podcast, but it was really, really a nice experience. And I have to say the cast and especially the women of Winona Herb are amazing. I really advise everybody who is a little bit into Winona Herb to watch and listen via YouTube to the Urpapalooza Women of Purgatory panel. These actors were so open and now really emotional, even and being uh, open hearted and uh, yeah, really talking about personal things. I don't know if this is normal for this kind of fan conventions, but I really was amazed. Of course, this was a convention just about Winona Herb with about 650 uh, attendees. So last week you announced that you are going to do the hunting of Hill House instead of True Calling. I was a bit disappointed, but Dave assured me that True Calling will be done sometime. I'm not much of a horror guy, but I will take along and have a look at this series and look what it does with me. There is a Dutch actor in it, Michiel Huisman, that's how you should pronounce it, who also played Cal in Orphan Black and... As you know, Orphan Black is a very important series for me. And in Game of Thrones, which I didn't watch so far. My wife did, though. And in the Age of Adelaide and in many other roles. I think he's a nice actor. I like him a lot. About Primeval. Last week I couldn't give my feedback because I was traveling. But some things you said I want to come back to. I was quite critical about the monster of the week and the CGI in episode one and two. But I have to say, in the meanwhile, for a television series, they don't, don't do it very badly. Especially the Mosasaurus in the last episode was done quite nicely. And also the flying Pterodon in these episode was also not done very badly. So I'm getting used to the quality of the CGI here. And one other thing I agree on is that Helen makes the story very interesting. And it even makes it so interesting that I'm really considering to look at the first episode of season two. There were quite some funny moments in in episode five. And I agree that Connor is partly there for comic relief, especially things like Debbie is walking away and having her back towards Connor. And uh, she said, shut your mouth, you're dribbling. And when she's gone, then he says to Rex, she really <laughs> likes me. That was really funny. Another nice one is when he is trying to catch Rex, Rex. And he says, you know what? I swear I catch you. You're going to be the first animal that becomes extinct twice. Another thing I want to address is that Lester guy. I don't know what you think about him, but he doesn't look very much like an official, a home office, a higher ranking officer to me uh, with his wrong ties, his wrong haircut. And I'm sorry to say, he more looks like a pimp than uh, to a governmental uh, official. That Claudia had this uh, temporary blindness, that this is a, actually a real thing. Uh, it happened to one of our sons when he was much younger. He was acting around and being foolish when he was three or four years, and he bumped on his head and really had for a short while, we went to the hospital with it, that he couldn't see anything. It was all black. He had a mild concussion. I had some nitpicks about this episode. It is too coincidental that when Cutter is uh, wanna uh, make a phone call, just in the second before that, one of these uh, ancient birds is cutting a telephone cable. Another one is that Claudia should take her shirt off because it's full of blood, and uh, these uh, ancient birds are chasing her because of that. But her trousers are full of blood as well, so that was a little a nitpick uh, as well, and. When Cutter is using the the burner from the ambulance to burn these uh, animals, they fall from the sky and completely flat and completely burned just by uh, a second uh, of of heat. I think it was too much. Another one is when Helen and uh, Claudia are running from that room full of birds. They close the door, but after a while the door opens by itself again. Of course, for storytelling, this is, is nice, but was also a little bit strange. So for episode six, I have to be short because I'm already talking uh, too long. Of course, I give a, gave a little uh, feedback on Urbanpalooza, but nevertheless, I, I liked episode six a lot. The only thing I was thinking, who is shipping who? Now we have Stephen and Helen, and we have Cutter and Claudia, and we have Debbie and Stephen, and we have Connor and Debbie, and, uh, well, it's a whole... But uh, this uh, monster of the week from the future was, of course, interesting. A nitpick, of course, is when Cutter is coming back from ancient times. Claudia is just gone, and nobody knows her, whereas everybody else is just standing there as they... Were when he left. So, if these creatures from the future going back into past, then there should be much more change than just one Claudia missing. But of course, this is a general theme about time travel. Okay, that was all for now. Looking forward to the hunting of Hill House. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. Two remarks after editing. I made a mistake. Debbie is, of course, Abby. And the second remark I wanted to make, that Claudia as well as Helen are, of course, strong women. But because of the temporary blindness, Claudia became a kind of damsel in distress here. For storytelling, nice, but I don't know if I liked it. Okay, greetings, Fred.
0: All right. Well, first, Fred mentions our decision to cover the haunting of Hill House, and that he's not a horror guy. And the interesting thing is, as you know from you know all the time you've known me, that I'm not really either. Yeah, no, but, you're definitely not. But we all have to come out of our comfort zones and try new things. I would have never thought I would like Van Helsing as much as I do. But here I am, loving it, and. You know, he brings up True Calling with Eliza Dushku, and, and that's still in the queue. Uh, at some time, I know we're going to take a look at it.
1: But. Yeah, now, we might, or by spite, maybe we'll never look at it, Fred. how do you like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, you know, Fred mentions the CGI quality of Primeval, and we've talked about it a little bit in this episode. And as you rightly point out, for 2007, it's really good. Yeah. I would say for 2018, it's not off-putting. Right. Well, so, when I when
1: I first watched Primeval, it was I, I don't think I had an uh, HD TV at all, and I it obviously wasn't even in consideration. Right. So I guess it's all like in your perspective now that we have everyone has amazing high def television and four G stuff and all this everything. That you know, we look at something from eleven years ago and and see you know like kind of like how kids now like oh black and white, it must be a terrible movie. Cast in black, I'll never watch it. It's awful. It's in black and white, right? So yeah, I, like I, I I tend to try to not to judge it too much on our modern standards because like really, especially uh, television um, quality and uh, CGI television quality has gone like kind of through the roof in, in recent years. So,
0: well, the one thing he brings up and, and I touched on this a a little bit is the attraction of Helen. And clearly it's something I've thought about. And of course there's her physical sexiness and look, we're not just two guys that are are looking at this stuff. Clearly they mean for her to exude that, you know, even Helen, I mean, she's always got her top, unbuttoned down you know a a bit but i think my attraction goes far beyond her just being a bad girl because she she clearly is a bad girl i mean she's a a serious she's a serious scientist who's discovered something remarkable and doesn't trust other people to do the responsible thing and while we can question her methods for me at the end of the day there's a lot that she's right about so for me it's the intellectual as well as the physical that that is so attractive about Helen
1: yeah but i I think like I said at the end it's for me like I mean I, what, what I've seen and I guess this might be because I've uh, you know of having watched the whole series um, I, you know I see her really using sexuality as I said to manipulate others which is you know I, I guess it's not if if you can go for it, right? You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and poo poo that and everything, but you know, that's it's not necessarily 100 percent cool, especially with how she toys with Nick. I mean, this is like her husband, who's been, you know, I mean, we kind of, at least in the like we we have no idea what's going on those eight years with Nick, but it certainly seems like he's been kind of pining after her that whole time. He's never given up on her. Um, and for her to just show up and, and she just goes into manipulative mode. It's none of this like, oh, you know, and and also the fact that at any time over those eight years, she could have dropped by and said, Hey Nick, I'm actually still alive. No worries. I can't stick around for long. Just want to let you know I'm okay. None of that. So like just her manipulative nature is just really like, like, out there and especially at the end of this episode where it's just almost galling and it's a, a, a little pathetic too like her attempt to get Steven to to come back with her it's a little sad you know because it's yep. it's clearly like a last ditch attempt and and Steven gives her the heisman you
0: know uh, Fred mentions Lester that he could use a wardrobe makeover and and I'm certainly thinking like Lester it's 2007 not 1987 so, yeah, I'm not sure who picks his suits, but Fred's got some... I nitpicks. love it,
1: man. I I dig it. I I, I love his clothes. I love how, uh, how he dresses.
0: All right. Well, I'm just going to address the blood on Claudia's clothes when she's yes. inside the golf club being attacked that is the by a bird. Because right. by all rights, she should have taken her pants off. I mean, they had right. far more blood on them than her blouse.
1: Yeah, she... she right yeah she she was rolling all in that blood well it was on her skin obviously too probably but you know nick was just really determined to get her to take her shirt off that's like twice in one episode
0: yeah he didn't realize she had like three or four more right exactly (laughs) uh, uh, now in terms of missing claudia and fred says he's still not sure you know how that can be the only change and i certainly agree and the fact that nick's the only one who remembers her um i mean i suppose i think as you said a few minutes ago we explained that because he's the only one who went back but fred also brings up claudia as a damsel in distress and and i never really get that vibe especially when she's whacking the pterodons with the golf club i i guess i feel like on the one hand claudia is a bureaucrat that's kind of moving into field work and that while she doesn't have a natural inclination she is a quick study and even though she has some of her orders countermanded and ignored uh, you know being part of the team in the field is something she is adapting to and uh, you know i mean everybody has to save somebody at another time but but i guess i don't see her as a damsel in distress
1: You're right. She's not a a damsel in distress per se. But I think, as I said before, that they just use her temporary blindness as a way to kind of ratchet up the intensity. Yes, and that's fine. That's fine because she, in
0: in my opinion, rises to the occasion and does everything she can do with her limited resources.
1: Exactly. But with her limited resources, she does not have the ability to save herself. Ultimately, she needs, in this case ironically damsel distress saved by another girl right she needs helen to save her nick is out there putzing around inventing little blow torches that are almost completely ineffective while while she's in there fighting for her life you know um, and it's helen who comes to save the day which is just dripping with irony so there is a bit of that damsel in distress element there because she, if, if Helen doesn't show up, uh, clearly Claudia would not survive.
0: Well, that's true. So, and, and then finally, Fred brings up the, the shipping angles. And, and look, I think for most of us, the Claudia and Nick relationship was something that was you know relatively appealing and interesting. But now I don't know. I, I'm not really feeling anything else because, uh, look, I, I like Abby, but I don't necessarily – ship her with steven or connor
1: so well again now i mean you know steven is completely burnt like i said before he's burned like there's no way abby's gonna go anywhere near him now he's gotta call up back his ex his girlfriend and get back with her because you know like like after she hears that he was sleeping with helen i know like dude chicks do not abide that stuff man no way but he is
0: the he is a bad boy
1: though (laughs) Yeah, he's he, a good he, bad boy. You're right. He is. That, you're, actually, you know, I didn't consider that because that does add to his bad boy cred. Um, so th- that could potentially make him more desirable. But Abby doesn't seem like to be someone who kind of goes for that kind of stuff.
0: You know? Yeah, but on the other hand, I think she has worked with Stephen long enough to know that, you know, at his core, he's a good guy. And that as a student eight years ago, he had maybe an affair longer. with his attra- right. Maybe longer. He had an affair with his attractive professor. Uh, you know, I I think the the I, Stephen she knows now counts for more than that. I, I'm, just, I'm
1: just saying, maybe maybe it's just me and my experience, but I I feel like that that is something most women would not like, just kind of blow off. Yeah, you're probably right. That would so. that would be like definitely something that would affect how they saw that person we'll see maybe not
0: all right well fred thank you as always glad you're back home safe and sound glad you had a great time in the united states and and uh as you uh, mentioned to me you found the weather in san diego a tad bit more climatic than uh minneapolis <laughs> but
1: uh, who would have thought as it may. <laughs>
0: yeah who would have thought so all right well we'll go ahead and leave it there that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. love to hear what you think about Dark, Primeval, Travelers coming up, anything going on in genre TV. encourage you to join the Facebook group, share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community, and if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails go to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to take a look at episode one of Netflix's horror series, The Haunting of Hill House. But until then...
1: You know, Dave, I have to admit, I am more than a little disappointed in our failure to record uh, something Monday night. Because you know what? Han Solo, he wouldn't give up before a job's done, would he?